Well, good morning again. Uh, my name is Clark Morris. I'm a deacon here at the Heartland Church of Christ, and it's uh, my honor and pleasure to get to um, try to deliver a message uh, for us today that I hope will be helpful, that will be enriching, that might uh, uh, lift you up. We are in a time of transition and change here at the Heartland Church of Christ. I mentioned uh, that Sharon's retiring from our secretary position. That's a very important position here at our church. Keeps everything running. Um, we are fortunate that uh, one of our members, Vicki Stanley, is going to, starting this week, begin to work alongside Sharon, and she will fill in until we have a full-time person. And so we're lucky to have Vicki recently retired, I think, from Cerner and uh, willing to pop out of retirement and do this for us um, and so, uh, but at some point, she's going to want to go back into retirement. And so we do want to find um, a, a permanent uh, replacement. We also know that um, we, our interim minister, John Turner, uh, got a full-time position in Kansas. And uh, he and Alicia uh, have uh, left and uh, uh, followed where God has led them. And uh, we love them. And so uh, I've been in communication with John about some continuing ministry that we can do th- together uh, through church camp with uh, his church and our church. And so um, we will continue to uh, pray and uh, love and appreciate uh, John and Alicia, but as they are serving uh, in another congregation. Uh, so uh, we have a minister search that's happening. We, uh, we have a search committee formed and we have people that have applied in fact, we have a search committee meeting this uh, Wednesday with that team, and uh, we're going to begin to go through uh, those resumes that are, are beginning to show up in our midst. And so uh, all of these things, there's a lot of change going on here at the Heartland Church of Christ. And that can be disconcerting because we don't like change. And in my observation, actually, particularly uh, men have a harder time dealing with change than women. I know I'm not supposed to make generalities, but that's just my observation in my own life. And I'll give you a, a, an example of that. Occasionally, uh, throughout our married years, I would walk into our home uh, from work and the furniture would be rearranged. And while, um, and you know, so if I didn't say anything, the question from Stephanie would be, well, how do you like it? And, of course, as a man, what I'm thinking is, I don't like it at all because my stuff isn't where I last left it. And so my chair, which I like to sit and I have the perfect viewing out of the, of the TV, is now over on this side. And that's that's not going to be good for me. And so these are really, you know, very minor things. But uh, in my mind, it I don't like it. I don't like the change. And so but I've seen uh, us rearrange the furniture and. Uh, a friend of Stephanie's, a female friend, come in the door. And what's the first thing they said? Oh, wow, you changed it around. I love it. This is awesome. And I'm thinking, how can you be so positive about this change? How can you be so positive? And because, you know, they see that there's new possibilities in this change. And so uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Stephanie asked me, you know, Maybe it's time you changed your hair. And, you know, I was just sort of getting used to this haircut and this hairstyle after 33 years. And, you know, it was just kind of settling on me. And so um, I and so I went to my barber, Barber Jean, and I said, um, could you cut it a little shorter this time? And he's like, 
What? <laughs> Why would you want it shorter? You've been wanting it this way for these decades. And I said, well, you know, Stephanie suggested that maybe a little shorter would be better. He said, okay, we'll give it a try. So Gene's also a male. He didn't believe in change. And, you know, and the most important thing for us as men when we go to the barber is whatever you do, I don't care how you cut it, just so that it looks the same as when uh, I had my last haircut. And actually, the other thing that uh, we changed about my hair, now, you're probably... You're probably thinking, Clark, I don't see any difference in your hair. Kathy's affirming that. And so, again, uh, but the other, the other secret is that I'm not wearing gel in my hair either. And uh, so we're doing gel-free weekends. And so um, it's very dramatic in my life, and it is, means nothing to you because it's just a little change, Right. And so I'm still who I am. I'm still uh, relatively look the same. But small things, uh, you know, to us sometimes uh, can feel big and feel really big. Uh, I was running. Uh, Dempsey uh, uh, made a reference to me as a runner. And I was running uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, right when I started running, I had a really bad pain in my heel, in my right heel. And um, it... I. You know, as I was going, I was like, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. And so I thought, maybe there's something in my shoe. And, but I kept running for a while. And so I was just kind of stubborn and I didn't stop. And I just, you know, I didn't go as far as I normally would go because it was painful. But I just like, eh, I'm not going to mess with it. Next morning I get up, put on my shoes, don't see anything in there. And I start running. And sure enough, that pain comes back. But I do kind of the same thing. Just kind of put up with it, but boy, it's really irritating. And it feels like there's like a boulder underneath my right heel. Well, so finally, the, when I get home that day, I take off my shoe and I look in there, and this is what I found. Can you see that? You can't, can you? Because it is the tiniest of little tiny rocks that was underneath my heel. And even though it is so tiny, it caused a really, really big pain. And so all I had to do was take that out, and then the running felt great again. My heel, my heel feels fabulous. But this little tiny, tiny rock, which you can't hardly see, you probably can't see. I, I guarantee you it's there. Hand it to my brother here so he knows there's really a rock there. Yep. <laughs> but sometimes... These little things can get in the way of these little changes can get in the way of um, us being uh, productive. And uh, our, our text this morning is taken from this incredible sermon that we have from Jesus. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's recorded in Matthew chapter five. And uh, this sermon goes on for uh, several chapters. I just want to concentrate on a, a little section of it where Jesus says that we are the salt and we are the light here in this earth. We're salt and light. And the reason that I want to point us to these is I think that these are foundational principles of who we as the Heartland Church of Christ are in this world. Who we are. And I want to for us to concentrate on who we are 
and not be distracted by these little rocks that are in our shoes, these little changes in our lives that may seem big to us right now about who our minister is and who our secretary is going to be and changes we're making in the church, what our small groups program is going to turn out to be. Um, But those really are little things in the scheme of who we really are, which Jesus says that you are salt and light. Now, the problem with Jesus telling you that is that you might be like me who takes things literally. And a lot of times when I read things, I, I take things literally. And, and I'll give you an example of this. You know, um, when I was a child, I, um, was, I, I grew up in the church and, and I was a young child. I can remember this very distinctly. I went to Bible class and the lesson that week was uh, on the full armor of God. I think we find over in Ephesians. And, uh, and so... I really took that lesson to heart and I listened to it and, you know, that you needed a helmet and a breastplate and a belt and you needed something on your feet and you needed a sword. And I was I was so fired up and I went out and, you know, I came from class and I sat next to my mom and I was like, Mom, I got stuff I got to get this week. Hey, great. He listened in class. This is really good. It's like, I need a sword and I need a helmet and I need a shield and she said, no, you don't. Like, no, I do. I do. It says it right in the word that I need these things. And, and she just, you know, shoved me off. Be quiet. And I was so frustrated because I was like, oh, God's telling me I need these things. But that's because I had taken the literal interpretation of what, uh, the, what the word said there. And that what I really needed was I needed the word of God and I needed the spirit of God and I needed righteousness and the things that that armor stands for. And so when we think about salt and light, if we take these as literal things, we may uh, not understand the metaphor of what Jesus is trying to teach us. And so I won't spend too much time on this because I think you probably already get this. But um, when he says... I'll just in Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? If it no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And so, uh, you know, literal translations could be dangerous here because if we think of ourselves as salt, uh, we might think, oh, well, I'm to be salty. I'm to be spicy, you know. I'm to be like a old crusty sailor, that salty dog. And... These definitions of salt, uh, literal definitions, um, are not what Jesus is talking about. But what is he talking about? And, and also we have to realize what's the context of salt in Jesus' day. Uh, we don't think of salt as all that important in our day. Although some of us really like salty things. Uh, and, you know, I often will say I really like something salty to eat right now because I really do like salt a lot. But uh, in Jesus' day, 
Salt was precious. Salt was life-giving. Salt prevented deterioration. Salt prevented things um, from uh, something that was good becoming something that was rotten. Salt was given to Roman soldiers as pay. And Leviticus, God's people were instructed that no sacrifice was to be presented without salt. It was essential in their world for things not becoming rotten and for their health and survival. It's not true today in our world because we have refrigeration. We have a lot of other ways to preserve food. Uh, we have a lot of other ways to treat our medical ailments. But in Jesus' day, salt provided life. And without salt, we never would have been here. They never would have made it. And so um, salt was essential And Jesus says, you are essential. You're the salt of the earth. And uh, and again, so this is not about being flavorful or spicy. It is about the quintessential quality of preservation. That what we provide as Jesus's salt on the earth is the preservation against moral decay. Because sin in the world, if left to just work itself on the flesh of men and women, decays men and women and takes over them and kills them, leads to death. So we're the salt. We're also the light. And I don't know how many of you had the opportunity to see the total eclipse uh, that came through here. Um, I was fortunate to be in a place uh, that got to see the, the whole eclipse. And um, it was pretty awesome. And what was awesome about it is the power of the light. You know, as the moon completely lined up with the sun and we had 100% totality, the sun was completely blocked out and suddenly the earth begins to cool underneath you and you realize sort of the awesome power that is the sun, that is light. And after two minutes and 38 seconds, when the moon started to slip so that the first beams of light uh, come back from the sun, that was an incredible sight to see as you see how powerful light is, and it's like a laser beam shooting down to you. And so I think we understand the power of light. But again, uh, the light that Jesus is talking about, when he says that you are the light of the world, is, of course, the light that we reflect from him. The light of salvation, right? The ability to have a path to total salvation to totality, to total lightness, total goodness, total faithfulness and reconciliation with God. 
That's what the light is that he talks about. And he says, that's what you walk around with and that's what you present to the earth. So salt and light, uh, I love the, I actually love the literal definition of salt and light. Um, I like the combination of salt and light when you go to a beach, the salty water and the sun shining down on you. And so that, that kind of really jazzes me. But the spiritual definition of salt and light are profound. They are amazing. And we can't let little rocks or what, in essence, are temporary changes or a temporary period of change get in the way of us being salt and light in this community. Because this community is deteriorating. This community needs salt and light. And so you say, Clark, okay, Brother Clark, well, what does that look like? What does that mean? And, and let me just point to a couple of the teachings that we see in the Sermon on the Mount and just give uh, just a... I could spend... Hours and hours we could together talking about all the lessons that are in the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I won't do that. I'll just give you a couple of things. What does salt and light look like? Well, first of all, uh, Jesus says that um, blessed are the peacemakers. And he gives us an example of what peacemakers do. He says that peacemakers don't have grievances with one another. And that if there is something between you and someone else that you go immediately, you drop what you do and you go immediately and you fix it. Because being salt and light in the earth means that you are a person of peace and a maker of peace. That's what being salt and light is. It means that you're pure in heart. So that means that you don't just not commit adultery. It means you don't think like an adulterer. It means you don't lust after men and women or judge men and women based on their sexuality and, and whether you're attracted to them or not. And we might say, well, that's the way the world is today. That's why the world needs salt and light. Because salt and light doesn't act like that. Jesus says, you're my salt and light. He said also, blessed are the meek. And um, this is not a very good word in our society today, the meek. Um, but when he talks about what this means, I think... Um, what he's talking about are, are people that are meek to their own desire. Because he says, when someone strikes you on the cheek, you turn the other cheek so they can hit that one too. When someone enslaves you and asks you to go a mile, you happily and joyfully go the mile and then go another mile. And so in our context in the Heartland Church of Christ, what does that mean? What does salt and light mean for us being meek? It means when someone asks us to do something in the church that we don't want to do, we don't just do it begrudgingly, but we do it with joy. And in fact, we do it two times over. We say, what else can I do to help you? 
That's what salt and light is. It also says that uh, blessed are the merciful. Jesus says blessed are the merciful. Which means that we don't just love people that love us or people that we find lovable. That we love everyone. That we love people that are unlovable. And that salt and light has an impact on people, even uh, people that we don't find, uh, people that we want to spread salt and light to. Um, that, uh, that we don't eliminate people and say, no, you don't deserve God's love or his light or his saltiness. And Jesus also uh, talks about righteousness seekers. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the interesting thing I think about that I uh, get from this teaching that Jesus uh, gives here is that righteousness seekers are not worriers. We talked a little bit about this in uh, uh, Mark's class this morning on happiness, uh, about the peace that comes from knowing God and being in good relationship with God and with others. But righteousness seekers are not worriers. In fact, Jesus says, uh, don't even worry about tomorrow. Just concentrate on today because I got it. I have you and I got it. You're going to be okay because you have me. So just be at peace with that. And seek righteousness. If you seek righteousness, you have me and I got it and we're going to be okay. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Well, tomorrow will worry about itself. You're the salt of the earth and the light of this world. In conclusion this morning, one of the interesting things to me about this statement that Jesus is so personal with it. You. You. Which means me. Which means us as the Heartland Church. Which means you. Are the salt of the earth and the light of this world. Which means Jesus' plan is, I could do it without you, but I'm not willing to. I, I'm on, my plan is to do it with you and to do it through you. You. This last week I was in Columbus, Ohio, and I saw a uh, performance uh, by this community ensemble that was created by this minister, David Brown, who's a minister of music in Columbus, and it's called Harmony Project Columbus. We actually have a Harmony Project Kansas City, but it's a little bit different. This Harmony Project Columbus has um, uh, their motto is uh, sing, serve, belong. And what they do is that they have a community chorus model where they bring people together regardless of whether they have any musical background and they, they form these community choruses and they sing together. And then they go out in the community and they serve together. 
And then they find meaning and belonging through this art form. And so to demonstrate that, and that sounds pretty cool, right? So this description is good. But, he, uh, but to demonstrate it, he, he brought a chorus of women who uh, are all from um, a battered home shelter. So these are all women that have been abused by their husbands and cast out. And the world has said, their, their husbands have said uh, that they don't love them. And then these women were singing this song vigorously that had a chorus that said, will you love me tomorrow? Or will you leave me in the middle of the night? And the second time they, when they repeated that, I heard that and suddenly I perked up and it wasn't just this ensemble anymore. It was this powerful message that was coming through where me, and I wasn't the husband of any of these women, but me as a man was feeling as a society, as a, as a, uh, as a body of Christians, are we going to let people in our community feel unloved, to feel in darkness, to feel that they don't have the salt that can save them? And I hope, Parkland, that our answer to that is no. That is unacceptable to us. There's a lot of pain and sin in this world. And Jesus knows that. And that's why he says, you are the salt of the earth. You, Heartland, are the salt of the earth. You, Heartland, are the light of this world. Each one of us is called to that calling, to be salt and light. And I would encourage you to, I don't, know, I don't know what your pain is. I don't know what your little rocks are. I know the changes that we're going through are difficult for many of us. But I would encourage you to pray to God and to cast those aside so that you could get about the business of being salt and light in this world. Because there is so much that God is calling us to do. We don't have time for little rocks. Today you may feel like, yeah, Clark, but um, I don't think I can run. Well, if you can't run, then jog. You may be saying, I, I can't even jog, Clark, today. I can't jog. I can't do it. And I say, well, walk. Just walk. Just walk with us. If you say, I'm not sure I can walk. Well, you just crawl. Don't give up on being salt and light. Come this morning if we can pray for you, if you have need.